Hey there, I'm Jacob Harmon from JMH Media. Welcome to TrustCast. I am intrigued by trust. In fact, I find myself thinking about trust and building trust all the time. Our governments, economies, and even our personal lives are completely built on trust. Think about it. Trust is even at the very soul of our marketing objectives. If a customer trusts us, they're more willing to buy from us. So how do we build trust with customers at scale? Especially when we live in an increasingly digital world where consumers are less trusting than ever. On this podcast, we break through the noise and focus on the ultimate keystone metric that matters. Our primary objective, trust. Welcome to another episode of TrustCast. I'm so happy you're here today. And I'm really excited because I have Annie P. Ruggles with me. And she is the founder and dean at the Non-Sleazy Sales Academy, which honestly is one of the reasons why I had to have her on the show. I just love that title. (laughs) Um, I think that this show is all about not being sleazy, right? So anyways, welcome to the show, Annie. I'm so happy you're here. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, I also think that trust is pretty much the opposite of sleaze. So I thought we might be peas in a pod. I love it. Well, let's just start there then. Let's start talking about this sleazy nature of salesmen and marketers. Unfortunately, we both get a bad rap, right? I think Mm -hmm. a lot of people think of marketers and salesmen as sleazy or saleswomen, of course. And why do you think that is? And what can we do to fix that? I honestly think that society and pop culture are not doing us any favors in this vein where when you watch a show where someone is marketing or selling, they're normally pretty smarmy. You know, they're normally not the most upstanding person on the show. They're normally not the hero of the show. But I think that also art reflects real life and all of us have been burned by salespeople before. <laughs> yep. So it's easier just to assume that because all of us have been burned not once, not twice, not three times, but three million times that everybody out there hawking their wares must be out to get you because other people were. Yeah. Do you have any interesting stories? What's your most sleazy salesperson story that you might have? <sighs> Oh, man. I mean, there's there's a million. So first off, I am a used car salesman's granddaughter, and he was Oh, amazing. that's the worst. So <laughs> there was the best. He was the best. But the thing is- Good. He was one know, of the good ones. And, yeah. But I guess like that whole idea of people that will put you down, and it's called breakdown, build up selling, right? But the people that will put you down in the process of trying to sell to you, so they'd be like- Jacob, thank you for having me on your cute, adorable little podcast. It is so wonderful that I had time to be on your show. Now, now that I've been on your show, your listeners are going to be so thrilled and that'll be $75,000. And it's like, ew, who's doing who a solid here? Like, this is a relationship. This is the beginning of an agreement. If they come into it, acting like you are the luckiest human alive to have encountered them right off the bat, I'm turned off. Yeah. 
me too. <laughs> so one of the weird experiences I had is, um, and interestingly, I saw that this happened to a couple other people on LinkedIn too, but I actually had someone reach out to me to jump on a free consultation call for my services. And then throughout the whole call, they were trying to sell me on their services. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. That's weird. That is, that, that's just really, weird really to weird. me. And so, yeah. I think that unfortunately there are some bad apples out there and because of them, us marketers and salespeople really, like I said, get a bad rap. So maybe what's a good story. Let's, let's contrast that a little <laughs> bit. What are, what are some good stories that you have of the right way to sell? Well, you know, I already mentioned my grandpa and my grandpa was an amazing dude for a million different reasons, but I sell with and I work with clients who are highly emotional, highly empathic people. And my grandpa was not that at all. Like if I had a headache, he would tell me to have a pickle. If I got broken up with, he'd say, have a pickle, like literally have a pickle. <laughs> like this dude was not emotional. But what he was, was incredibly fair and incapable of swindling anyone. And so he would not sell you the worst car on the lot and he wouldn't try to sell you the best car on the lot. He would listen and prescribe the right car for those people. And because of that, he garnered their trust. And when he died, Jacob, people that he sold cars to 40 years before saw his name in the newspaper and came to his funeral, came wow. to his funeral and told us the grieving family that my grandpa was the most upstanding salesman, never did anything against them, never made them feel badly pressured, but also made the sale every time because of trust. And if that's happening with used car salesmen, there's gotta be a million other great examples of people that take the trust seriously, because I think that really is the make or break point of sales. Does the trust matter to you? And do you have any interest in keeping it? Because if mm -hmm. so, you're probably not going to be a jerky, sleazy salesman. That's awesome. It's almost like we should just have that in the back of our mind. Anytime we're on a sales call, will this person be at my funeral? Like, am I acting in yes. a way that this person could someday come to my funeral and say, oh, wow, he was amazing. I, I trusted him with my services, right? Right. So interesting. I mean, it's not that many jumps between that very extreme example and getting the, just the basic cost of living of doing business, referrals, testimonials, case studies, right? It's not that many jumps between I'm willing to go to this dude's funeral and I'm willing to tell the entire internet about how amazing this person is. It's not that far off. Yeah. Sometimes I don't understand why people use bad sales tactics because in my experience, they don't work and maybe they do for oh. other people. I don't know. But in, in my personal experience, bad sales tactics don't really get a lot of results, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe people get results from them and that's why they do them. Do you have any idea? Like what, what is it culturally that is causing some of these bad sales tactics? I think it's the level of desperation of how critical mm. and crucial the need is. And I also think 
it's the way the pain points are addressed. Whereas there are things that you need to buy to solve pains, right? We only buy things to solve problems. And there are times where a good, reliable, trustworthy salesperson will be able to accurately speak to the pains that you have in a way that feels fair and compassionate. But I think a lot of the time why bad selling works is because the pain is used to make you, the buyer, the bad guy, and them, the product, the hero. And the further away you stray from them, the further away you stray from happiness, and they will use that against you to make you almost feel beholden to them. But I think that's easiest done when the need is so emotional and so close to the surface that much like a cult leader, you can just scoop into their brain and implant what you want in there. And it's terrible. It's horrible. And it's heartbreaking. And also it leads to a phenomenal amount of buyer's remorse when that person wakes up a day, a week, a year later, and realizes that the person that they placed their trust in was not worthy of that trust. That's devastating. Mm -hmm. I have an interesting example of that, actually. So, you know, the classic YouTube ad <laughs> that comes on and <laughs> and they're selling you. Well, I fell into one of those, <laughs> unfortunately, <laughs> oh. in this case. Uh, but it's okay, it was targeted. Honey, we've all done it. <laughs> It was targeted so well. Like, I'm a web designer, and this guy, in the first five seconds, before I could skip that ad, it was the classic, are you a web designer? Do you want to get higher paying clients? And he yeah. went in and he, and he talked, and I went and watched some of his YouTube videos. I went and listened to some of his podcast episodes, and I was like, oh, like, I think this guy knows what he's talking about. I signed up for for this course, and honestly, like, it was a bait and switch. I signed up and I paid and I got this course, but then I got zero support, even though all the support was promised. And so at the end of the day, like it wasn't the end of the world. I didn't spend all that much money on it, but it just made me think I signed up for this. And then the, I never heard from the guy. He never reached out and said, Hey, can I help? Is there anything I can do to, to, to help you walk through this or anything? I just never heard from him. And so I know the listeners can't see, but I'm making this very, distasteful, <laughs> disdainful face right now because uh, 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 and it really does just make it harder for two things to happen. Number one, for you to find the help that you actually are looking for, to find the solution that you're actually looking for. And number two, it makes harder for that provider to get their goods into your world because yep. now there's this barrier now there's this mistrust of yeah. okay well now i guess i can't trust anything on youtube ads anymore yeah on the other side of that if he would have done things differently if he would have immediately reached out to me and said hey how can i help you obviously you're a web designer you're looking to get higher paying clients let's walk through this together if that would have happened conversely i would have been a loyal fan of his forever, you know, and especially right. if he could actually deliver and I, he helped me get some higher playing clients. I'd be sending my fellow web designers his way the rest of my life. We, <laughs> but all, instead... we all do because we <laughs> cluster together and this is just natural 
human tribal behavior. Web designers know other web designers. Marketers know other marketers. We all hang out at the water cooler together, whether or not we have a physical one to go to. And so that's why when you have an incredible experience, how amazing that person's going to go if asked, and they have to be asked, that person is going to go and tell everyone around them about how amazing you are. Same thing though, without being asked, if you burn that bridge, you've also burned that bridge with 10 people that you haven't even caught up to yet. By the time Mm -hmm. they hear of you in normal means, your reputation is shot. Yep. A hundred percent. And so I, I thought it was interesting what you said just a little bit ago about how I might be burned for all future YouTube ads. <laughs> yeah. And I I know that something that we talked about before we even hit record was we want to talk a little bit about even before people ever interact with you, how mm-hmm. they'll come to the to the relationship with some baggage already. You don't actually get to start with a blank slate. So let's talk a little bit about that. I know that the next YouTube ad I see I'm going to be skeptical, (laughs) you know? Yeah. (laughs) So how does that all factor into creating trust? You know, the way I think of it, we all look exactly like our prospect's worst ex. Like we all have the face of the ex that ruined their lives. And what I mean by that is we're all going to get lumped into the worst of our industry. Huh. Sorry, but it's true. It's that experience gap, right? If I've had five great experiences with marketers and one really lousy one, it sours the whole bushel. And the thing is, though, everyone, unless you're brand stinking new to something and you hit it out of the park immediately, everyone has been burned by someone in your industry. And and it doesn't have to be a third degree burn. It could be I downloaded your free PDF to get onto your mailing list. And then you emailed me 795 times and and sold my information. Annoying, not necessarily painful, annoying, still a burn, right? Still something that I don't want. And yet that's what we're being compared to. Oh, I should sign up for this person's mailing list. No, the last time I signed up for a mailing list, I got spammed. Oh, I should click this YouTube ad. Oh, no, I shouldn't. Because the last time I bought something from a YouTube ad, it wasn't worth the dime. And, and that it's not necessarily conscious, but it's definitely there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that psychology is really deeply rooted. I often think about how sometimes the bad things outweigh the good things, like you were saying, our bad experiences are going to outweigh our good. And part of that's just because we're human and we've evolved to protect ourselves, right? Because you could be out on the plains of Africa for a hundred days and nothing bad happens. But then one day a lion comes and that's the day you're going to remember, right? Because that's the day because you're your life was in danger. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, buying is scary. Even when it's something that you desperately want, you are parting with something that you currently have, which is money, energy, time, normally a combination of the three. You're giving that away to a stranger or near stranger (laughs) You're putting trust in their hands. You're putting faith in that person. And you're making yourself vulnerable by saying, hey, will you help me? That is 
off-putting. And then your brain's going to hunt for information of why you should not do it, right? Because the brain loves the status quo. The brain wants you to stay in the problem that you're in because it knows <laughs> that problem. So when you go to make a change, your brain's going to freak and it's going to go, ah, Jacob, 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 that guy didn't even email you last time you dropped all that money on that thing. And it sounded like it was just for you. And that guy didn't even email you. Why would you click on this ad? They probably won't email you either. That just happens. It just clicks in. Mm -hmm. Autopilot. Yeah. Oh, wow. So how do we, how do we fix that? Especially when someone reaches out to us, we have a brand new lead. Um, we're jumping on a sales call with them. How do we address that past baggage in a way that's trust building? Know your competitors and know their BS in mm -hmm. that, you know, if you know, if you know, that most web designers out there always blow deadlines, that deadlines are a joke to most web designers, then you can say on your website, you don't have to name names, but you can say in your copy, in your content, I know in the industry, deadlines tend to be a bit of a joke, but here I take them very seriously. No blown deadlines ever in my business. That's my motto. Take a bold stance against what the sins of your competitors are. Another thing is don't relegate anything to fine print. We are so conditioned to distrust anything where things get suddenly smaller or where there's an asterisk and we have to return. If you're not hiding anything, then don't hide anything. You don't need to put your prices there. You don't need to put your cancellation policy there. You don't need to put any of these things buried where no one can mm -hmm. find them. If you're not hiding them, then the more transparent you can be about how reliable and how trustworthy your sales process is, the better. Because if they go and they don't sense gimmicks and they don't sense tricks, they're already going to go, well, wait a minute, something's different here. What could it be? And then the when catch? you get... <laughs> Right. What's the catch? But in a good way, right? What's the catch? What's yeah. the catch? Because then as they go deeper and deeper into your content, into your website, into a sales call with you, then you're loading up trustworthiness. Great examples of when you went above and beyond, right? Your case studies, your customer service stories, your testimonials, all the things that lend credibility, your why, your story, your unique selling proposition, all of those things. But it's not a bad idea to say, hey, right from the jump, hey, most of the time when people find me, they've been burned by my competitors. If mm -hmm. that's true for you, I want you to know I'm aware of the issues in my industry. I take them seriously. And these are my promises to you. Put it out there. Why not? Be blunt. Be blatant. Yeah. And then follow up, right? <laughs> like if you're going to oh, make those please, promises, please do it. <laughs> oh, or else you make everything triply worse, right? Or else yeah. you're like, I would never hurt you. Do you want to go to the prom with me, Carrie? Oh, you're a prom queen. That's not weird. Where'd this pig's blood come from? Like, don't do that. Don't lure people into a false sense of security and then mess up. That would make it really hard for the rest of us. Please don't. Mm -hmm. But it's yeah. not that hard to speak to in a way that feels natural and organic. And it's also not that weird or that hard to tell someone in a sales conversation that their trust is valuable to you. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah, I think that that's probably a conversation that almost every sales call should have. Here's the ground rules of this business relationship. And yep. here's the things I'm going to do. Here's the things I expect of you. And I I take this very seriously. I take business relationships very seriously. I think that's super important. relationships. Yeah, I love it. So I I kind of have a selfish question for you, Annie. Hopefully you'll indulge me questions. here. I love selfish questions. I don't feel like I'm a very good salesman. Like just being completely honest, I don't feel like a great salesman. I do feel like I'm decent at the trust building part. I'm decent about being transparent and being real. Um, And that's one of the big reasons why I'm doing this podcast is because I feel like it's needed in business. But when it comes to sitting down at a sales call, Uh I often feel like I kind of just give too much. And don't take enough for myself and for my business because, because I want to be the nice guy, right? Like, I feel like I am a nice guy. And so I definitely sway too far on the pendulum to being a pushover and letting people um, in negotiations. I often get the shorter end of the stick because of that. So how do I get what I want, uh-huh. but still retain the relationships and the trust and not be the bad guy, if that makes any sense. Yeah, there's a couple of different things. Also, good on you for the vulnerability of this question, especially on your own show. I want to give you like 17 (laughs) gold stars for that. But, you know, the first thing is there's there's a mindset component and a strategy component, and I'll go Mm -hmm. through them both. The mindset component before you get on the call, make sure you're not assuming that they're going to say no. I know that that sounds totally ridiculous, but I listen to a lot of people's sales calls and you can just tell when they get on that they know that their rate is going to get pushed back on. So the whole call becomes the lead up to an apology when they say the rate, right? Hmm. And you could okay. tell, you could tell. Yeah, now, I think I've done is, that before. The price is just a price. So when you say it, I want you to say the price and then I want you to shut your mouth for three whole Mississippis, which in a sales call feels like an eternity. But here's why. If I'm squawking at you, you can't make a decision. You can't do math in your head. You can't pull up what the competitors told you they're charging. You can't do any of that. And the thing is, it's not like we have a tendency to fill in that time with valuable information. We don't. We babble because we're huh. uncomfortable. So what we do is we say, you know, and the price for your website overhaul is going to be $2,995. And I take that in payments. How does that land on you? You know, I know that it may be a little bit more than you were expecting because my competitors, some of them are cheaper. You could go on Fiverr. And I'm sure you could find someone. Or maybe if you like find somebody in Bangladesh, like that would be helpful. <laughs> what are you doing? Sounds like you've listened to some of my calls. <laughs> right? Oh, honey, you are not alone. And I've done this too. I have done this too. Everything I teach, I I've had to learn and perfect myself. But when we babble at the price point, we just showcase the fact that asking for money makes us very uncomfortable, which signals to the person on the other end of the call, I think this rate is a little more flexible than they let on. And as such, I'm going to see if I can push here. 
The other thing is know where your bar of resentment is in your pricing. And what I mean by that is if they're going to talk you down, know before you get on the call how low you are willing to go before you're going to wind up resenting yourself for taking that work, resenting the client for bringing it to you, and resenting your bank account for not being where it should be, even though you're wasting time on this work, right? So, because that's what it's going to feel like. If you take it for too low, it's going to feel like a waste. So if you say ahead of time, all right, my price is here. If anything, I'm going to let them haggle me this far, this far, but not an inch more then you know that there's no risk of you getting on the call and going, okay, okay, I'm not going to do this for less than $2,000. I'm not going to do this for less than $2,000. I'm not going to do this for less than $2,000. Someone says $1,000. That's way too far apart. That's way, that's not even in the same village. That's not even in the same state right? Then you know, okay, this is a safe place for negotiation. If they're saying, you know, for 2000 I was really expecting a little bit more, then you can tinker. Then you can tailor it still above that bar of resentment. You can add something. You could take something away. You can rush a timeline. You could slow it down. You could do a million different things to make that work for both of you. But if you apologize for the number, if you excuse the number, if you talk over the number, Right. If you show that you're uncomfortable with the number or if you allow them to think that your number is one that you just made up or not all that firm on, they will push you around. Even good people, because they're Mm -hmm. like, oh, I might be able to get a deal. Yeah. One of the things that I love that you said was you need to find something that works for both of you, right? Yeah. At the end of the day, trust goes both ways. And if I'm afraid of charging too much, I should also be afraid of them taking advantage of me and making me charge too little, right? Mm -hmm. And so honestly, like if I want this to be a good business relationship, I need to be willing to say, hey, you've got to scratch my back too, you know? And I don't think that that is manipulative. I don't think that that is sleazy. I don't think that that is wrong. It's a business relationship and you should both benefit, right? Absolutely. The sleaze comes in and the manipulation comes in. When I'm going to try to railroad you into buying whatever I want you to buy, no matter what you need. That's where the manipulation comes in. That's where the sleaze comes in. I want to sell this car on the lot. I only want to sell my number one web design package. I only want to sell this and everything else. No, no. When you get on with someone and they explain to you what they need, if you are the right person for that and you know it, and you confidently communicate it, and you ask to be fairly compensated for it, there's nothing sleazy there. Yeah, 100%. And I think it's it's really just changing that mindset then. Um, and I'm sure that this is something that, in my case at least, is probably ingrained in me from childhood, you know? Um, just this mindset towards money and thinking, oh, getting money yeah. is bad or or asking for money is bad. And I think that I, I'm getting over that. It's something that I've been working on, but still still have a way to go to. <laughs> well, so does everybody. You know, don't, don't beat yourself up about it. If we all could work for free, a lot of us would. But we can't pay our landlords and our mortgages and buy food with free. Right? Like you have kids. You can't feed your kids on good intentions. You just can't. So you 
taking time and energy out of your life to work need to be compensated for that work. It's that simple. But everybody has that little thing of like, oh, well, I don't want to turn someone away. None of us want to be a jerk. But if you're worried about being a jerk, you're probably not selling like a jerk. You're probably not selling at all. (laughs) That is a very, very good comment. I think that's going to be like the quote of the episode. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, well, thank you for that. Thanks for indulging my my somewhat selfish question. But I think it, it definitely has helped already. I'm already thinking of some things that I can change in my sales calls. I'd like to talk a little bit about the word manipulation. Uh, I went to your website. I did a little bit of research before we jumped on a call. And you have, I think it's a YouTube video embedded on your site where you talk a little bit about this word manipulation. And I just loved what you said. I like to talk a little bit about what it means to be manipulative and how we can actually manipulate in a non-sleazy way and help people out. Ooh, I love it. I love it. Yeah, so I call that the big M versus little M, like capital L versus lowercase M, um, manipulation. And and what I mean by that is, is sales manipulative? Absolutely it is, 100%. But what I mean by that is to manipulate a situation, if I have clay, right? If I have Play-Doh and I'm forcing that into a shape, I am manipulating that thing right? It just means to lead a process. That's what manipulate means, right? So if you read, I just read this incredible book called Mexican Gothic. It just came out in 2020. It's wonderful. I highly recommend it. But that book is creepy. It's creepy. It's a horror book. It's supposed to be creepy. But the act of me turning those pages with with that edge of my seat, anticipation, that is the book manipulating me. That is a carefully crafted manipulation of my emotions and actions to get me to feel a certain way and do a certain thing. But here's the difference. Although the book is manipulating me, the book is not manipulating me without my consent. I read the book. I pick up the book. I know that the book is creepy. It has the word (laughs) gothic in the title and is filed under horror right? Same thing in sales conversations. People are coming to you to solve a problem with them and for them. If you are unlocking door by door, trust by trust, if you are unlocking the ability to have them walk that path with you, then you're taking them along for the ride. Guess what? You're manipulating them. But where the sleaze comes in, is if I start driving so aggressively that I stop caring where you want to go, Jacob, and I'm like, nah, this is my show. You're going to come along with me how I want you to go, and you stop having a say, and you stop having power, and you stop having consent. If I start pulling the wool over your eyes, that's a negative manipulation. If I start you know, building you up, breaking you down, treating you terribly, doing all these things so that you feel these things more deeply. That's a manipulation. If I'm relying on gimmicks and tricks to get you to give me your credit card number in the next 27 seconds, that's a negative manipulation. But it's still a manipulation if at the end of a sales call you go, wow, 
I feel a lot better. And I feel like Jacob really can help me with my website. Guess what? That means that you, Jacob, positively manipulated the situation, taking them from a period of time when they were feeling less than good and less than hopeful and less than productive. And now you've shown them the light at the end of the tunnel of what's possible. They're not in that headspace anymore. You've facilitated that change. Guess what? Technically, that makes you manipulative. Yeah. And according to that definition of manipulation or that lowercase m manipulation, right? Yeah. Um, according to that definition, some of the best people, the best leaders that have ever lived on this earth have been some of the best master manipulators at the same time because they're able to inspire people. They are able to help people go on a journey and change and make a difference in people's lives, right? So really at the end of the day, manipulation isn't bad. It's just that a lot of us define manipulation as the capital M manipulation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it's because we're just like, well, I cannot guide someone without hurting them. And when we say it like that, it sounds ridiculous. Of course you mm-hmm. can guide someone without hurting them. We guide people all the time without hurting them. We help little old ladies across the street. We don't hurt them. You know, those of you who are parents, you do nothing but guide. And most of the time it doesn't hurt them. So why then in business do we think that guidance automatically will some way beget harm? It won't as long as you're helping the old lady cross the street in the direction that she wants to go. Right. Okay. Wow. You're blowing my mind here, Annie. I, and I've already heard that. Like I already watched your video on the same topic and it's already inspiring me again because I want to change people, right? Like the whole reason I got into business is to make a difference to, to help people. And so I need to be willing to do that. I need to be willing to guide people along the journey. That's going to help them. Love it. You know, one of my favorite ways to know that you're that you're selling from a place of compassion and care and you're selling from a non-sleazy and very trustworthy place is picture you and your prospect in a car. If you're driving the car, mm, you're probably being kind of manipulative. If you're empowering your customer to drive while you navigate, that's the right relationship because hmm. they're already heading in the direction of solving the problem. You're just along for the ride, telling them how to get there faster, better, sooner, safer, more cheaply, more effectively. Oh, wow. I love that. But that's to your point, though. It sounds like in some of these situations where you get taken advantage of, it seems like some money is too expensive to take, right? And those are the people that are going to be terrible clients and that they're like, oh, hey, thanks so much. Come on into my car. Door locked. You're on the freeway. Up uh, now you're stuck, right? Yeah. But that's because it's not a dance. It's not a relationship. In that point, you could be anyone. They just want what mm-hmm. they want and they want it yesterday. They don't care if it's you or me or my cousin Trudy. They yeah. just want it faster, cheaper, better. That's it. Hmm. Yep. The manipulation can go both ways. Interesting. Yep. Fascinating. Okay. Well, Before we kind of wrap things up, is there anything that we haven't talked about pertaining to trust, relationships, business that you'd like to talk about before we kind of wrap up? Just to reiterate, 
in a sales situation, if trust is important to you, which it should be, but if you're the kind of person that it's really, really important to, if you're like Jacob, if you're like me, tell the client that their trust in you is valued. Tell them what your values are. Tell them what, again, you don't have to name names. Tell them what the industry does that hurts your heart. Tell them that you understand that they may have been there before. And you can do all of this in a non-emotional, totally cerebral, business-appropriate way too. And it does not have to be long and drawn out. But if the trust of your customer is important to you, make sure they know that. Love that. Yeah. Well, thank you, Annie. I think that this has been incredibly valuable for myself. And I hope that it's been valuable for you at home listening. This is the reason I have this podcast, because I love talking to business people who who understand business relationships and building trust. So I've definitely felt that today, Annie, and I appreciate it. Thank you. I'm so glad. You know what? You getting something out of this is important to me. So that's lovely. Thank you. (laughs) And thank you for trusting me enough to put me on your show. Of course. And if, if our listeners want to maybe learn more about you or ask you a follow-up question Mm -hmm. or reach out, what are, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you? I have a free masterclass that I'm so freaking proud of called Making Selling Easy Without Getting Sleazy. And you can find that at anniepruggles.com slash easy, not sleazy. That's the best way that I can get you kind of untethered from that sleazy feeling fast. And it's totally free. In terms of starting a conversation with me, you can obviously go through my website, but right now the the pure love of my life is Instagram and I'm on there at Anniepreneur and I would love to connect with any and all listeners. Perfect. And I will throw those links in the show notes too. Well, thank you so much, Annie. I really appreciate the conversation we've had and I look forward to staying connected with you. It has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for communicating the unbelievable importance of trust. Thank you. Thank you for listening to TrustCast. This podcast has been a production of JMH Media. I'm Jacob Harmon, and I've been your host. The TrustCast podcast team consists of Josh Harmon and Steve Hill. I really couldn't do this without them. Music licensing comes thanks to Epidemic Sound, And if you've liked what you've heard, we invite you to subscribe to TrustCast in your favorite podcast app and leave us a review. It really does help. Join us next time as we continue to break through the noise by building real human connections and trust in business. See you then.